0: So I discovered something yesterday, just by accident, that if you're looking for something, have you ever lost something that you're, and you're looking for it at home, you know, and you are backtracking, you're just going all these different places, like, man, where? Man, where's the last place? I saw it, I, I swear I had it with me here. I went out to my car, I looked under the seats in my car, I went to... A, pants maybe I thought I wore that day you know But you, 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 you tracking with me now you, you fill this you go to your women you dig through your purse five times all right and then one more time just to make sure and then you go to the other bag that you have that's really not a purse but it's a bag bigger than your purse you can fit your purse in that bag because you need more than one bag obviously we know that's true for some reason you know guys we have our pockets that's it we have our pockets and back in the 80s fanny packs which by the way I wish they would come back no, no, <laughs> people are like, no, <laughs> for heaven's sake, no. But you, so you got all these different places. You're searching, you're searching, you're searching. And I was looking for, I was looking for this little book because I had written some notes in it about the sermon as I was thinking about earlier in the week. And I was like, man, I got to have that book. I, I know it's some good stuff in that book. Where is it? You know where I found it? found it in my Bible. So if you're looking for something, you're looking for the answer, Just look in your Bible. That's where it was. I came back and I was like, oh, are you kidding me? It's in my Bible the whole time. Lesson learned. If I would have read my Bible that morning, I would have knew exactly where it was at. All right? That's just an extra little sermon. You don't need to charge you for that one. All right? So if you're looking for something, find it in your Bible. Speaking of your Bible, turn to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3 that's in the Old Testament, it's actually right before the New Testament, I think I marked it here, so Malachi chapter 3, so I want to give you just a brief, this is like sermon number 2, no charge. And the reason why, I'll tell you the reason why I was thinking about this particular passage of Scripture is we have an opportunity today to, to do something at the end of the service. And we do it occasionally, but we don't do it very often. But I, but I want to give you a chance today to bless someone specifically in our community. There's a, there's a family that I've come in contact with that live just really close to here. And they, they have a need. And if you are a part of serving in our church in any capacity, you probably got a text message yesterday from me saying, come prepared today to help meet this need. And if you didn't get that message, then I'm giving it to you right now. Here's an opportunity for us to, to bless a family that just because of circumstances, out of their control, they, they need the help. And as a church, we can contribute to that need, and then we're a little bit short, so we need the body of Christ to come alongside and help make that need possible. And there's a ministry here in Platte City that, uh, that actually what they'll do is they'll match what it is that we give them, they'll double it, and they'll be able to take care of this family's debt and get them back on track for the month of September. And so I was thinking about, the, I was thinking about giving and offerings and tithing, and we... We don't talk a lot about it. We don't talk a lot about giving. I mean, we give every week, and we talk a little bit about it at the end. And once a year, we've given a, a giving talk, and the past, a pastor has gotten up and man, preached about it. And so there's always that, well, you know, I go to church, and all they talk about is they want your money, they want your money, they want your money. And that's not true here. We don't talk about that a lot. But the reality is, is listen, we cannot do ministry without you. It's not possible. There, there's just no way. To make the school, even if they allowed us to use this building for free, there's still expenses that we have to have. And so I was thinking about this passage of scripture in the book of Malachi. Malachi was a prophet, and he was speaking, he was speaking to God's people, and his message, his message was not easy to hear. Because he was kind of stepping on their toes a little bit. And he, was kind of, he was kind of challenging them in certain areas of their life. And this does have something to do with the sermon. Today, but he was telling them in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, he said, I, the Lord, do not change. And can you get an amen about that? Like, there's a lot of things in the world that do change. Our world is changing by the minute. You just look around us. But God says, I don't change. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he says, So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Like, I've kept my promise. There's plenty of reasons why God should say, You know what? I'm done. I've just had it. I can't take it anymore. You ever had one of those days? ever one of those days as a parent? You know? Where you just said, I just can't take it anymore. And he says, I have not destroyed you. And ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. And he says this phrase. He says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. The word of the day is going to be proximate. It's going to be. Close up. <laughs> this, is the official, this is the official toothpaste of the message today. Close up. Proximate. Get near to me. And in this particular sense, he's saying, get near to me in your hearts, which requires you to turn and walk away from one thing and draw closer to the Lord in repentance. So draw close to me. Draw proximate to me. Get close. He says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord. But then, but then you ask, How are we to return? Will a man rob God? God asked this question through the prophet. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But then you ask, well, how do we rob you? And this is what the prophet says. He says, in tithes and in offerings. And so one of the reasons why I want to share this with you is the difference between a tithe and an offering. In In this culture... 10% 10% or like the first fruits of your, of your harvest or whatever it is that you've accumulated, the first fruits, the thing right off the top is just basically saying, God, this belongs to you. And the biblical uh, example or the biblical percentage would, would be 10%. So this is my offering to you, God, or my tithe to you. But he says in tithes and in offering so the difference between a tithe and an offering is is the tithe is your your gift right off the top and then an offering is above and beyond and it's a way of a, an additional blessing to uh, a need that needs to be met and that's the reason why we're taking up this love offering today it's an additional gift it's a different target to shoot for if you will like the tithes go to the, the function and the operation of the body of Christ, the church, to make things happen. And selfishly, it's to pay me. And it's to pay uh, my wife for doing the administrative work that goes on behind the scenes. It's to pay Tony to, to make sure everything happens the way it's supposed to happen on the stage and in the worship. It is to pay the bills. It's to, to um, take 10% of it and be able to give to this family That is a need. And that's that's not the only family you come in contact with. It's several different occasions we have opportunity to bless others. And so if we gave you a breakdown of what the money is spent on, you would see what it all goes to. And that's what the tithe goes to. Does that make sense? Okay, it's the operating costs. And then when there's an offering, it's above and beyond, and it's a way to bless a particular need that needs to be met. And he says when it comes to tithes and offerings, you're under a curse the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. And then God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, God says, says the Lord Almighty, "and, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. The vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty, Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. I was challenged not too long ago by a a particular friend of mine who's a pastor, who they talk about giving every single week of their church, and it turns some people away. But he was challenged by the Lord. He goes, you are called to disciple your people. You are called to, to learn them and teach them about biblical truth. And he says, and I'm challenged to do that. And I said, you know, that's probably something I don't do a very good job of, letting them know the difference between a tithe and an offering. And and I know that some of you are saying, and this is, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, Brady, I just can't afford to give anything. And let me just challenge you, based on the promise of God's word, you can't afford not to give. You just can't. Because the very first thing on my budget, personally, and this is not to just pat myself on the back, is a gift back to this church. Because it's it's showing my commitment and it's showing my priority and it's showing my love and my, my, my trust in God's word is true. And he's never failed to make sure that we have enough. We just have enough. And he does it in pretty incredible ways. Okay? We're done with that. Weekly, if not daily, I could shoot a video, a live video of the who, not what stories in my life. I I could. It seems like almost every day, especially every week, I'll come into a story of how someone has blessed me or someone has uh, came in contact with me and they've given me something or they've encouraged me or whatever, and I just continually go back to this. It's not what I know, it's who I know. This podium, this little little podium here, it's brand new. It's kind of fun. I gotta put my stuff over here and I got my Bible here, my notes. This podium is a who, not what story. We were visiting with some family, a family last Sunday, and we were talking I saw this in their home and I kind of like made a big deal about it because I thought it was cool. I thought this would be awesome for church. And they were like, oh well, we got it off of Amazon, of course, and we'll tell you the link to it, and you can just we'll just let you know what it is so you know you get the right one so we, we called them not too a couple days later I guess so we said hey could you give us that link we're going to order one because I think it would be good for church and they were like oh by the way don't order it and we are like well why not just don't order it <laughs> because it's already on its way they, are, they bought it for me that was awesome it's who not what right this sermon that I'm speaking to you about this morning is a who, not what sermon. Now, I learned something. I got some what while I was there, but the who invited me to go last week to the leadership summit. It was a global leadership summit that they put on at uh, Pleasant Valley Baptist Church, but it's satellite from Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago, which is a massive church, and he invited me, a friend of mine invited me to come. I said, well, I can come the week. I can come Thursday afternoon, Friday afternoon, but I can't come any other time he said that's fine and so I get there I sit down and the first message I hear is by a guy named Brian Stevenson Stevenson he is a founder and executive director of this ministry called equal justice initiative equal justice initiative he has given his life to serving the poor the incarcerated and the condemned I was taken by one of his first comments one of the first things he said, there is power in proximity. There is power in proximity. I was like, wow, that makes sense. Of course, I'm just thinking about in my context and what it is that I do for a living. I was like, man, that is so true. There is, there is power when we are close to one another. We live in a culture that you can go sit in your home, you can get an incredible podcast from people more gifted than I'll ever be in my entire life. It will challenge you and encourage you, but you will still be there alone. And you will not have the benefit of this one-on-one or one-on-several connection that the body of Christ offers you. You won't have it. And I think it's good and those are good fillers, those are good things to kind of fill in the gap throughout the week but they should not replace the coming together and getting to know each other's stories and hearing your hurts and hearing the great things that happen in your life, to be encouraged by one another. This is not part of the, the, his message that I wanted to share with you but he also said a couple things that really struck me and I just wanted to share with you. Each of us Are more than the worst thing we've ever done. Can you hear that this morning? You are more than the worst thing you've ever done in your life up to this point. Isn't that good news? Can't you just take that with you as you leave here today? Because there's a lot of things that I've done in my life that if I allow them to really have the effect and the impact the enemy of my soul would long for them to have the impact of, it could crush me. But that's not my identity. Another one, this thing that really struck me is my capacity to lead and your capacity to lead, wherever it is that you're a leader, comes from above, not from anything or anyone. Your capacity to, capacity to lead comes from the Lord. Listen, my wife's the only one giving me some amens, all right? We need, she needs some help. She, she, she gets paid extra to give me amens, Okay. I'm going to vacuum for her next week. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to even do the dishes for crying out loud. Amen. 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 She's now saying amen. Everybody's going to hold me accountable. Did you vacuum? Yes. Proud to say I did. My mind immediately, when I started thinking about this proximity thing, so let's get back on this track of the proximity. It's It's the idea of the benefit of coming close to God and also the benefit of us coming close to one another and helping one another my mind immediately went to Philippians chapter 2 where it talks about Jesus leaving heaven and coming to earth to serve. Like Jesus got proximate. Jesus got close up with humanity. Like he left heaven and he got, he wrapped himself in flesh and he walked around on earth so that he could identify what it is that you and I go through. And you can't effectively serve anyone unless you get close to them. It's just not possible. And if we're going to help those who are suffering, we must get proximate. And if we're going to get the help that we need, it's the same thing. We have got to draw close to God and to one another. I'll talk a little bit more about that next week because the immediate response is, but Brady, you don't understand, I have this fear and anxiety about what would happen if if I did exactly that. If I got that close. Because you know what? When you get close to someone, you can start to see their imperfections. But the reality is, is you can also start to see their true beauty. You start to understand who it is that they are and what it is that they've gone through. You start hearing their story. And it's powerful. In order to get proximate, it's going to require you to do some uncomfortable things. Walking in these doors might have been uncomfortable for you. I was thinking about a young lady last week. She's here again today. and She came all by herself. So she's kind of quiet, you know, and she walked in. And I, and I think about the fact that even for me, as, as extroverted as I am, there are sometimes you walk into situations where it's just uncomfortable because it's unfamiliar. But in order to to really connect, it requires you to take that initial step. Of course, there are some passages that prove the power of this proximity principle. (laughs) Say that three times real fast. Passages that prove the power of this proximity principle. All right, so real quick, I want you to grab your Bible. Okay, if you brought a Bible with you. Okay, got your Bible, ready to go. Turn to the very beginning. Okay, we're going to do this real fast. Genesis chapter 6. Okay, you have to turn fast. I stop hearing pages turning, then I'll, then I'll start. Genesis chapter 6. It's the account of Noah. This is starting in verse number 9. Okay, we're just going to read a little bit out of each one of these stories, because just for time's sake. Thinking about proximate, thinking about drawing close, getting close, and the power in it. And the benefit, listen, the benefit that comes from being close. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. That's the part I wanted you to see. And he walked with God. I get the picture of hand in hand. Maybe since we're guys, we don't really hold hands, right? So, you ever seen guys like we get together and pray, we gotta hold hands? It's awkward for guys. You're like, The last thing we want is like our fingers to go like this. That's just weird for guys, all right? You girls are okay with it, guys. It's like all of a sudden we're engaged or something. I mean, it's just bizarre. So, don't do it for, to a guy. Just cup your hands slightly, you know, and just whatever. So, as so God, God and Noah walking, he was close. To the Father and the blessing? Saved his family. <laughs> Saved his family. And then God used Noah to repopulate the earth. I mean, that's a big deal. Proverbs 1320. Okay? Proverbs 1320, it's the middle part of the Bible. Lots of wisdom in this book. Okay, Proverbs 1320, it says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm who you are proximate with matters it just it just matters if you're walking around with people who who are wise and have wisdom I even suggest finding people who know more than you do because the who is important because they may have more what than you have And so if you're with them, you grow, you actually grow. It causes you to grow wise. But if you are proximate to people who are just being foolish, guess what? It won't be long and you're going to suffer because of it. And all of you that have grown up enough to have had friends or maybe you were that friend. And you know what it was like to suffer because of your relationships. You know this is true. Who you're proximate with matters. Luke chapter 8. All right, now we're going to go to the New Testament real quick. Luke chapter 8. We're going to be in the area of Luke for a while, so turn there. Luke chapter 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I I want to implore you, if you do not have a paper copy of Scripture, get one. Go to the bookstore. Grab one of those black Bibles on the table as you leave today. They're yours to keep. Write your name on the inside of it. and, And learn how to look up verses in the Bible. Because you know what? One of these days... Technology might not work, and the only thing we'll have is, our, is a book in our hands to give us guidance. Because if you love something, right, you got to find it in the Bible. Thank you. Somebody over here. Thank you. So, uh, Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, all right, Jesus came back to be proximate with a different crowd. They welcomed him. For they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. There's a little bit too too much proximate going on here. Too many people, and they were just gathering around him. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. In another gospel, it says that she suffered at the hands of many doctors. Nobody could do anything for her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Jesus said, who touched me? Who got proximate? (laughs) Who got close to me? Who touched me? When um, When all the people around him denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know, I know it because power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. And she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. How desperate are you to get proximate to Jesus? How desperate. To the point of being, I don't know, exposed, vulnerable, embarrassed, uncomfortable. How desperate are you? Luke chapter 10, I won't, won't read the whole story, but it's the Good Samaritan story. And in this story... Two different church leaders literally chose to walk on the other side of the street to avoid getting proximate with the guy that was sick and and beat up and hurt and needed help. But there was one man who was a Samaritan who says in the passage of Scripture, this is Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25. Look at verse 34. Luke chapter 10, verse 34. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. He was intentional. Instead of avoiding it, he was intentional about going to this person that was hurting and knowing that it was probably going to get messy, knowing it was going to inconvenience him, and he went to him and he ministered to him. Earlier this week, I don't remember what day it was. Was it Thursday maybe? I don't remember. I was coming up. I was getting ready to make a left-hand turn to go to, to Chick-fil-A. And there is a man with a sign. They're all over that area. There was a man in the sign in the middle of the road. And, and let's just a little moment of transparency here. Have you ever rushed to make the light so you didn't have to sit there uncomfortably with the guy to your left with the sign looking at you and you're trying not to look over, make contact? Because as soon as you make contact with him you're like getting out your wallet and handing him your credit card and your, your wife's credit card. I mean, have you ever felt that way? Like you just feel like, man, if I, if I see them, I feel like I have to do something. But if I don't look at them, then they're really not there. Come on, let's just be honest. I found myself this day, for some reason, hoping that the light would turn red so that I would get a chance to talk to him. Because his sign said, hey, I'm hungry, I need something to eat. Now, remember, your offering, your tithes, provide a budget and an income for us to be able to help people that way. But listen, I'm not the only one that is called to do this. <laughs> we all are called to do this. But I had the opportunity and I have the, the, the chance, and I asked this guy, hey man, if you're really hungry, meet me at Chick-fil-A. That's where I'm going right now. And so I go, and i uh, We take care of his needs, have a good conversation with him. I give him a gospel um, tract that I have and uh, prayed with him and just encouraged him. And who knows? Maybe he just threw that thing down, his belly got empty again, and he went on with his life. Or maybe me getting proximate to him that day changed something inside of him. Only God knows, right? It's up to us to sow (laughs) the seed or to water it. And maybe somebody else down the road gets to harvest it. And the last example was in Acts chapter 8. You can turn there if you want, but I'm just going to tell you. It's a story about a guy named Philip. This is verse 26. And Philip is kind of prompted by God to go near this chariot where this Ethiopian eunuch, a guy that was in charge of the treasury for his country, and, and God just basically said, Go near to this chariot and basically just do what I'm asking you to just go get proximate get close and while you're there you'll know what it is that I want you to do like sometimes if you just get yourself in the neighborhood you'll know what you're supposed to do but if you never even enter into the neighborhood if you never even go with the with this thought of like God okay I'm willing to do whatever it is you want me to do even if it's going to be uncomfortable because here's the reality if it's you that's needing to help aren't you wanting somebody to get proximate to you I hope so But it may be that God's using you to get close to someone else. And so he just went, and while he was there, he had the opportunity to explain the gospel. He baptized the guy right after that. There was water close by. And then Philip got sent on to somewhere else. But he just did what he was supposed to do. Okay, last passage of Scripture. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hopefully, if you don't have a copy of Scripture, like, write down these passages of Scripture. Go back and and look at them later. I might encourage you or challenge you. Hebrews chapter 10. Starting at verse 19. And, he, and he, said, he starts out with this phrase, he says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is His body, and since we have a great High Priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed in, with pure water. And then he says, "Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for we or for He who is promised." for he who promised is faithful all right just super super quick if you're here last week when we had um, the people standing up here and we had God and we had the only way to God was through Jesus it's important to understand that Jesus came as the great high priest to provide a way for us to get to God And by his sacrifice, the Bible says, once for all people, he made a way for all of us to get proximate to the Father. Like only Jesus could do that. Jesus was the offering. Jesus was the holy one to come and offer himself. Does that make sense? All right, that's fundamental Christianity. If you don't know that, you're still lost. But once you know that, once you know Jesus is the way and you put your hope in that way, Jesus can take you to the most holy place. And that is into the presence, into the proximity of the one who created you. Isn't that good news? Aren't we excited about that? Are you going to be excited if the Royals win today? Hopefully you'll be more excited about what I just told you than if the fact the Royals win today. I'll be excited if the Royals win today because we're going to the game, and if I just waste my money to go watch them lose, I'm not going to be happy, all right? But I'm already a winner because I know that Jesus has already done everything necessary. It says that he has provided a way for us to get close to the Father. He's cleansed our conscience from guilt and from shame and from the sin in our life. And it says, let us hold unswervingly to this hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And then, listen to this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, okay? Let us consider how we can get close to one another and cheer one another on. I don't know if you have ever played sports before, and I, always, I tell this to, to um, women when I'm counseling with them. Sometimes they'll say, your husband needs a cheerleader because guys love cheerleaders. Guys love for someone to be on the sidelines saying, you can do it, is a cheerleader. She knows They win because the cheerleaders, if the cheerleaders weren't there, they would lose, all right? That's just the way it is. And so we need to be cheered on. But what if the cheerleaders were doing it via satellite? What if the cheerleaders were doing it from home? Like, we're just gonna stay home and cheer. Hopefully that's enough. No, where are they at? They are proximate. They're on the sidelines cheering the the players on. And as believers, as fellow uh, followers of Jesus, we need each other to cheer one another on. Like, if we see... We saw Alec last week talking about what he's getting ready to do. and He's going to England. Let's cheer him on, right? Let's say, man, you've got this. You can do this. We're here to support you and encourage you. If you're going through a difficult time in your life, you need someone to spur you on to love and to good deeds. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us not stop getting proximate with one another. Let us be committed to being with each other. Okay, that doesn't mean, well, Well, they're keeping attendance at church, right? Yeah, we are keeping attendance. Just so that we know how to follow up with you and encourage you. But if you're not here, there's nothing we can do for you. We can't help you. And you can't help us. There's power in proximity and being close. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching you might look at the news and you think man the day must be approaching fast because this world is a mess you know what it was a mess in Noah's day too and and really the message hasn't changed we still are, are to consider how we must spur one another on and encourage one another to not give up there's some real life examples that I ran into, and I, got, I know i got to finish up. There's some real-life examples that I ran into this week. I was talking to a lady at the, at the coffee shop here in town, and uh, she was talking about how she went through a divorce after 20 years. Her husband left her, and it was the ladies in her church that got proximate with her, got into her, just details of her life that held her together through her difficult times. They spurred her on. They encouraged her. They cheered her on. When I go to a restaurant, and I see all the different people sitting at the tables, they're all sitting together, they're in small groups, I think about how important it is that we are, in, we are in, intentional about being with each other and being in each individual lives. You've got to have a small group of people that you can break down life with. Right? Because you're not going to do it when you come into a big group like this. But when you get into smaller groups and you're intentional about it, it's, how, it's so important to be that close to one another. And then the last one is this lady who came and met with me a couple days ago. She had to get close. She had to let me get close to her. She had to share her story with me. She was vulnerable. She cried in front of me. She didn't know me. And she cried about her pain. She cried about what she was going through. And I told her, listen, there's a church full of people that would love you. And if you would just just get close, just come and get proximate with us. If you don't want hope, joy, peace, and love, then don't show up. But if you want that, then you should come. And guess what? When she comes, who's responsible to give that to her? Me or you? Both. Actually, it's both and. (laughs) It's my responsibility. But then you know what? If you don't show her that love, then everything that she's heard about church is true. They'll just judge you. They won't love you. They'll treat you, they'll look down on you when they find out all your problems you've gone through. Some people are so afraid of getting proximate because they figure out if someone knows the truth, Nobody will love them. But you know what? Jesus is the opposite. Once he knows the truth, he loves you even more. It's powerful. I want to encourage you this week to press in. The worship team, you guys can come on up. I want to encourage you, obviously, to press in and draw near to God. Whatever that takes in your life, whatever that looks like in your life, make that happen. Draw near to Him. Take your greatest pain, your greatest fear, and present it to Him at the foot of the cross. Just do it. It's kind of like this giving principle in Malachi. If you give, you will receive. If you press into God and you give Him your pain, you'll receive the joy and the comfort and the peace that comes from drawing close to Him. And then lastly, I'm just going to be selfish. Hey, Taven, <laughs> want to be selfish. Listen, as our church... continues to grow we need help you can't expect just a few people to do all the work and for you to come and benefit from it that's not that's not that's not life in the body of Christ it's not we had to we had to pull somebody just out of the service today just to go in and help with the kids because not enough people will volunteer to work in the children's ministry That's the hardest job in the church right there, I guarantee it. We need some people that have got some courage. And you have to love kids. If you don't love kids, don't go anywhere near those doors. (laughs) Don't. (laughs) Pick up trash afterwards if you don't love kids. But if you love kids and you love families that have kids, because you might have used to be that family that had kids that were small, then we need you. We need people to stand at the door and just greet and smile and say thank you, welcome, thanks for coming. We need people to make coffee on Sunday morning. Amen. We need people, yeah, amen. We need people to stand out and greet in the parking lot. It was funny, Spencer took his his kids with him today and did it. Bring your family, make it a family thing. Everybody must do their part, huh? Oh, yeah. And every Sunday morning, we need somebody to push some buttons. <laughs> if you're good with electronic, like if you don't like kids, but you like electronic stuff, go see Tony, all right? So I put it. we put in the bulletin today a link to where you can go to where you can sign up to serve. I'm, I'm not ashamed to ask for help because we need it. But the church won't grow anymore until enough people step up to serve the people who will come. Because if we can't serve them, God's not going to send them. It's just not going to happen. I've seen it way too many times in church life. And so ask the Lord, how can I get proximate to those in the church that need to be served? How can you use me, Lord? Are you willing? Maybe you're here this morning as we sing this morning. Maybe you're here and you say, I need to get close to God. But I'm far away from him for whatever reason. And so maybe the first thing you need to do is just to get up and draw near to him. Okay? whatever the lord put on your heart let's worship